This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello, everyone. This is sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show here from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. I've been in practice for 38 years in the Kansas City area as a sports psychologist, been on the radio for 28 years. Our show is now being syndicated around the country in a number of cities. And, you know, I love doing this show each week because we talk about mindsets and attitudes and confidence and how you become successful, how you fail. Last week we talked about what do you learn from failure? What's all that about? And every week I try to bring up a topic that I think will be of interest to you, our listeners, and get into discussions. And today I've got a fascinating guest in the studio with me. Her name's Danny Wilniak. She's the sports director for KCTV5 Sports, the CBS affiliate in Kansas City. She's also the sideline reporter for the Kansas City Chiefs. And we're going to talk today just about her career and what she's doing. I got to meet her a couple weeks ago, and this lady has more energy than most athletes I know. Of course, she's an athlete herself, so there you go. But Danny, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. And you know what? I, I exude that energy because I get to work with wonderful people like you. So, of course, I have every reason to be smiling right now. I did not pay you to say that, by the way. Okay, <laughs> no, th- he th- didn't. Thank you very much. You know, sports is changing in our society, it's 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 something I talk about all the time. Youth sports has gotten to the point now that it's a big business. You have organized sports for four, five, six-year-olds, which to me is, a, is ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah, and I, and I want to get your thoughts. And I wanted to talk today about the role of your career, but I want to talk about women in sports. For sure. Because we've seen, you know, I think with the World Cup recently, the PR that these these ladies are getting, which they well deserve. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and I've been involved for 38 years, as I said, as a sports psychologist. I've worked with female athletes as long as I work with male athletes. Female athletes work just as hard. They train the same way, but they don't get the PR. They don't get the notoriety because there aren't the big-time leagues. Now, however, you've been in a league. You've won a world championship. You've shown me your ring. Yes. Yes. It's. it's, it's I mean, you it's, can't see it at home, obviously, because we're on the radio, but it is a massive Super Bowl ring from the time that I played on the Dallas Diamonds, the women's professional football team. And it's probably, I don't know, an eighth the size of my hand. So it's, it's gigantic. I wanna, I'd like to take a picture of that and put it on my Instagram account. <laughs> Absolutely. That but thing is amazing. It's my, uh, my claim to fame, and it's one of those things that I can wear around the Chiefs locker room and around other athletes and the minute that i shake their hands they're like what's that what it's so it's a conversation starter yeah exactly Mm -hmm. that's going to get wait what is this and then you start to talk to football players about that so so let's let's just start let's start right there okay (laughs) Okay. so you you're working with the chiefs as a sideline reporter during the games i've watched the last couple years do a great job thank you very much and I'm saying that because I mean it, not not to be nice. I can't be nice, but I'm saying it because I mean it. You do a great <laughs> job. Because I'm here in the studio with you. Well, yes, yes. <laughs> but 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 in all honesty, you're doing that with a bunch of grown men. I work. I've worked with NFL players my whole career privately. I have not 
been the team psychologist for the Chiefs, but I've I've probably seen over 30 Chiefs players privately in my office. Big guys, large men. Okay, so and I've been in the locker room before. I've been in many locker rooms working with teams. So what's it like for you to go into an NFL locker room? Let's just start with that because a lot of people wonder what's going on. <laughs> well, for me personally, it's just a job, and it's something that I've dreamed about for a really long time because I love the sport of football, whether it's men or women playing it, just the sports, the analytics, the X's and O's of football just fascinate me, and I'm super passionate about it. So getting this opportunity here in Kansas City was really cool. I actually got hired by KCTV5 originally as the uh, weekend sports anchor, and then about a month, maybe a little over that, into my time here, uh, Mitch Holtis and Dan Israel with the Chiefs Radio Network came up to me during training camp and asked if I would be interested in just doing away games. And um, originally, Dan took me to a Starbucks to quote-unquote interview me and said, can you draw me a route tree? Sure enough, I grabbed a napkin, drew him a route tree, and he was like, okay, yep, you're hired. Let's tell, do this. Tell people what that is. So a route tree is the different routes that a receiver runs throughout the course of a game or on offense. So you've got numbers 0 through 9, and it looks like you know a tree, but it's the different like directions that a receiver can do or that a quarterback can call out for a receiver to do during a play. So you impressed him. So maybe just a little bit. Okay. Um, and that's how it all kind of kicked off and got started. And um, it has been a blast and a blessing because... Well, ob- lot- obviously the team has been very successful the last few years. So that... I mean, that certainly helps. That I'm, probably does help a lot, doesn't it? I might be a good luck term because the last three years that I've been here, they've won the AFC West. So I'm not saying... But I'm just saying, because even when Alex Smith was here, they won the AFC West. Patrick Mahomes won the AFC West. The common factor, Andy Reid and myself. So, Well, I'm, I'm ready for a Super Bowl. <laughs> Since I think it's time. I went in 1967, I went to the first Super Bowl with my father. And I'd love to go back to another one. So hopefully, as it, since since we are in Kansas City and I am a Chiefs fan, I would love to go. But anyway, so what is what is it like being you know when you're around all these guys? What's it like? I mean, how are you treated? I assume you're treated fine, but still. You know, as a woman with football players, sometimes there's that there's that connotation. Oh, well, a woman's here. You know, I mean, how how does that go for you? Well, for me, it's been awesome because everybody's been super respectful, and I think that's one of the things that you fear a little bit in the back of your mind whenever you go into a locker room like that that's fully dominated by men. Is how are you going to be received? And my biggest thing is that when you go into those locker rooms as a woman, you have to go in knowing that you belong there. And for me. It's a job. So you're not going in there to necessarily make friends. You're going in there to do your job, to get your interviews, to find the guys who had big plays that day. And you do your job. You get your interviews, you get in, you get out. But um, I think one of the biggest things for me was having that background in football because one of the first days that I walked into that locker room, Chris Jones was there. And I had my Super Bowl ring on. Well, for I, tell everyone who Chris Jones is if, you're, if they're listening outside of Kansas City. So Chris Jones is a defensive lineman for the Chiefs. Right now they're in contract disputes and he's holding out, but um, he's one of their best defensive players. And he is a large man. He is probably one of the biggest guys on the team. And full of energy. Full of energy. His enthusiasm outdoes his play by a hundredfold. He's fantastic. And the media members love him because... We talk about grown men being in that locker room, but he's actually more of like a kid because he's so goofy like that. But he is a really good leader. Anyways, 
one of the first days that I walked in there to do my interviews, I went straight to him and we started talking and I did my interview with him and I shook his hand and he grabs my hand and he flips it over and he looks at my Super Bowl ring and he goes, what in the world is that? And I said, well, it's my Super Bowl ring. Hopefully someday you can end up with one of these. And he kind of laughed. And then we started talking about my football career and how cool he thought it was. And he told that to the other defensive linemen. So now I can walk in there and talk to all of the guys about my football career and be able to relate to them. And even Xavier Williams, who's another defensive lineman who's actually from the Kansas City area from Grandview, his mom played in the Women's Professional Football League. So you had a connection there. Yeah. You know, I love your enthusiasm, and I want to talk about that as we move into our next segment. But I want to talk, for people who are listening, who women want to get involved in sports, professional broadcasting, but playing, whatever. I want, want you to tell your story about how you got into this, because I think it's, it's a great story for young girls to hear, because I know so many young girls I see in my office have, want to get involved in sports, whatever it might be, and I think you're a great role model for that. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, interviewing Danny Wilney, African KCTV5 in Kansas City. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years, and with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, Just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. 
but the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL, opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country, and tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Today I've got a fascinating guest in studio. Her name is Danny Wilniak. She is the sports director for the CBS affiliate in Kansas City, KCTV5. She's also the sideline reporter for the Kansas City Chiefs. She's also an ex-professional athlete and has been showing me her Super Bowl ring that she won uh, winning with the women's uh, Super Bowl. If, where was that? In Sweden, where you did that? So we actually won a gold medal in Sweden. So, um, And I was part of the first ever women's national football team where we beat uh, Canada in the gold medal game 69-0. to zero. So obviously there wasn't much competition over there. No. And America, American women, when it comes to football, are pretty dominant. No big deal. Brush my shoulder off. Um, but yeah, so I played for the Dallas Diamonds, which was... Long story short, it was a part of three different football leagues. It's still an ever-evolving women's football professional league or multiple leagues right now. Um, and we won the Women's Super Bowl in 2008. Well, women's sports is something. I've worked with uh, women since I started my in graduate school, my internship at San Diego State. I worked with the men's tennis team in San Diego State because I played tennis. And then the women's gymnastics team wanted to have someone work, so I work with them as well. I've been working with female athletes my whole career. Um, I treat them the same as I treat male athletes. It's the same thing. We're talking talk about mental training and things like that. But but I have noticed throughout my career, female athletes don't get the respect oftentimes that male athletes get. They're pushed aside. They train just as hard, sometimes harder. I'm working right now with a triathlete from Southern Missouri, professional triathlete. And, and I mean, this woman trains six to eight hours a day, okay? So she's working just as hard as male athletes, but she still struggles for sponsorship, whereas it's easier for men. Where do you see women's sports today, Danny, in, in, in terms of your work as a sportscaster, but also your career as an athlete? Where do you see it being today, and where does it need to go in light of 
the Women's World Cup and, and all the talk about women need to get equal pay and all that. And that can be looked at several different perspectives. What's your perspective on that? I think it's such a broad spectrum of opinions here because I think in the United States, women's sports has come a long way when it comes to Title IX, when it comes to Team USA, um, in the soccer realm and what they were able to do with the World Cup and getting, getting the attention that equal pay is deserved, especially when they're bringing in more revenue than the men's team. But that's just here in the United States. From a world spectrum and a world perspective, women's sports is not at all where it needs to be because the United States is so far beyond so many other countries. I mean, even you looked at some of the stories in the World Cup, Jamaica just put together their first women's soccer team to go to the World Cup ever. And it's incredible to believe that just this year they're starting to make those strides. So I think equal pay is deserved at some point, but we also have to have the backing. I know that the WNBA has had to have the NBA behind it. The Right. It probably wouldn't exist if they didn't have the financial support of the NBA. Absolutely. Right? And so that's part of the problem is that we have to be as badly as we want women's sports to succeed and to make as much money as the men's sports. There's just not that financial backing there and there's not the fan support in order to make that happen. So I think that. I understand it from that perspective. It's just got to get more power. It's got to be able to build up. And eventually it's got to get to that point. But, I mean, a lot of women, like you mentioned, we train just as hard as the men do. But in most of these women's professional sports, the women have to have second jobs. And so I played with a lot of women who were teachers as well as, you know, women's professional football players. And I was a full-time student at the time. So you're having to see this work-life balance and this sports-life balance from women a lot of times because there isn't that financial backing and the ability to get paid as a full-time athlete. So we're getting there, but I don't think we're there yet. For a young girl who's interested in getting involved in sports and playing and then maybe seeing where her career is going to go, what would you what would you advise them on? What would you say to them? You know, we have, of course, women's sports, girls' sports. Let's talk about it. You've got soccer is obviously maybe the most popular, gymnastics, mm-hmm. swimming, volleyball, softball. I mean, you know, track and field. We've got, you know, pretty much everything. But for young girls who are getting involved in that, you know, Title IX has made the availability for scholarships now much. You know, it's been around a while. But mm-hmm. I remember when it came into existence, um, there was a lot of resentment by a lot of people because a lot of men's programs. I know at the University of Kansas when I was working up there, the men's tennis team and men's swimming team had to be disbanded right. in order to make it, you know, equality. And there are a lot of pretty angry people about that. Right. So, but, you know, I work with a lot of young ladies who, who are striving to get scholarships and work just as hard. What would you say to a young girl who, who wants to get started in sports and, you know, is looking at maybe trying to get a scholarship and then play and maybe going on beyond? What would you suggest to them? Because you've obviously done that. I think the biggest thing is be willing to take risks and be willing to put in as much work towards this as you put towards anything else. Because I think a lot of women and people in general can get sidetracked by a lot of different things that go on in life and they don't and they lose sight of their ultimate goal. And I think the biggest thing for women is to just realize not to get discouraged. There are going to be so many things that you face and so much adversity, whether it's people who tell you that you can't do it or maybe there's not enough scholarships or you're just not as good as the next person. Do not give up. Take risks. Do whatever you need to to accomplish your dream. 
and make sure that you make connections. That's the biggest thing. Okay. I'm, I'm going to play therapist here with you for a oh, second. Okay. <laughs> um, you exude self-confidence. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, you come across as someone who's very confident with yourself. Well, thank you. Well, you're welcome. But, <laughs> but why, why is that? Um, I, Not to put you on the spot, but I'm putting you on the spot. Well, I think the biggest part of that is because I grew up in sports. And I think that my mom put me in sports and um, was very supportive of what I wanted to do, even if it was trying to play football um, right out of college. And I think that was a big thing for me. And it, it certainly builds you up because you have those friends and those connections and the people around you who make you feel like you're working as a team and you're valuable and you're important, not only to the team, but also in life and as friends. So I think sports is a big part of the reason that I exude confidence. And you, what, is, what does confidence mean to you? Give me a definition of it for you. Belief that you are... Now you're putting me on the spot and I'm having to really think about this. I told you I was going to play therapist for a second. Belief that you can accomplish anything that you put your mind to. I would agree with you. I mean, it's a belief in yourself. Mm -hmm. To me, self-confidence is a belief in yourself. And confidence to me, it's like the wind. It can come and go. Mm -hmm. But I often have so many people that will say, Doc, I I lost my confidence. I'm playing golf and on the third hole, it's gone. I said, it's not gone. It's still there. You just aren't seeing it because you're focusing too much on the negative. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. And that's how you build that confidence is because you're going to go through those valleys and those peaks. And that's how you realize how you can get out of the valleys is that you reach the other side and you maintain that confidence throughout. When we come back from this next commercial break, I want to talk with you about that. About I'd like to find out from you when you've been in a valley before and how you've come out of it. So many times. Well, but but I think there's a lesson for people because – when we look, when when I talk to people who have achieved goals mm-hmm. and are constantly striving to achieve them, there's a reason they've gotten there. And I like to say you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with a stronger mind will come out on top. Oh, for sure. And my great uncle, who was the winningest trainer in horse racing when he died, Hurst Jacobs, my role model, who died in 1970, told me this quote: "Sports is the greatest theater in the world. Everyone knows their part, but no one knows what will happen." And I think. You have obviously learned a lot from that. You've accomplished a lot of goals, so I want to talk about that. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Today, my guest in studio is Danny Wilniak. She's the sports director for KCTV5 in Kansas City. Great interview. Encourage you to get your daughters especially to listen to this if they want to accomplish some things in life. Sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. 
Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition, and Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. This is the Sports Psychology Hour, and today I've got this fascinating guest in studio. Her name's Danny Wilniak. I'm loving this interview. She is the sports director for the CBS affiliate in Kansas City, KCTV5. She's also the sideline reporter for the Kansas City Chiefs, and she also has this giant Super Bowl ring that she won as, as a professional athlete herself. Now, you talk to athletes all the time. Mm-hmm. You talk to coaches. You talk to parents. You interview people as as a sportscaster. You work with football players. You see them all the time. You just talked a little bit about confidence for you. So 
let's look at a couple things for you in your career. When when did you struggle with confidence? Although I'm questioning if you ever did, but no, but <laughs> no, I'm sure you I have. Think but, everyone but, does. But, I mean, that's a very normal thing for an athlete to deal with, whether you're actually admitting it to people or you're keeping it internal. Everyone struggles with that at some point because you're going to have a bad game. You're going to have things that don't go your way. You're going to lose your starting job if you have a starting job. And so I think it's so important for people to realize that it's not just you're not just going to have one valley. You're going to have multiple things that you go through and multiple different levels of adversity whenever you're an athlete or just in life in general. I know at least one of the biggest things for me during my football career was that I actually broke my ankle in two places, my fibula, so it's not actually my ankle, but I broke my fibula in two places four games into our season in 2008. And I was running an off-G play uh, for people who understand football, and one linebacker came over top of me, one linebacker came underneath me, and I heard... explain everyone, this is tackle football. This is. It's helmets, pads, NFL rules, 11-on-11. Yes, I'm sure there's some people... Oh, it's just just the... uh, No, it's not the lingerie football either. Nope. Um, yeah, full on. We had linebackers who weighed probably 210, 215. So you're dealing with some big, strong women. Um, and so when I got up, uh, I had to be lifted up and I ended up missing the next, had to have been what, six Just games. two games, you heal fast, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I, I actually healed faster than most people with that injury. So I got a plate and four screws put into my right fibula and was out six games, ended up rehabbing so that I could play in the playoffs. And then I started in the Super Bowl. So that was one of the toughest things for me to overcome was because I lost my starting job originally uh, to someone who was amazing. Um, And she was great. So it it wasn't that I didn't like the person who took over my starting job. It's just something that you have to that you have to deal with and battle with and rebuild that confidence, knowing that you can get back out there and you can re-earn that starting job. And so that was really tough for me, not only physically, um, but mentally and emotionally and spiritually, because you question, can you make it back? Can you do this? Is this rehab worth it? Or why are you doing this? What's the purpose? And you just question everything in the process. And then... So how did you, as you went through that, how did you overcome that? Because you obviously came back and and started. But a lot of people... Because I I, I work with people with injuries all the time. Yeah. And let's face it, if you play sports, you're going to get hurt. Years ago, one of my first shows was a a two-hour psychology call-in show. And I would come up with a topic every week and one week the topic was if you're out of shape and obese, there was a whole story in the paper about obesity and lack of exercise. I want to hear from you if you're out of shape and obese and you don't exercise. And one lady called up and says, well, Dr. Jacobs, I listen to you every week. I sit on the couch and eat a bag of Lay's potato chips, a giant bag of Lay's potato chips. And I, I guess people will call me pleasantly plump because I'm about 60 pounds overweight. I said, well, do you exercise? Oh, God, no. I don't like to glisten. And people who exercise get hurt. That's a great excuse, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I, I didn't want to say, well, people who don't exercise and eat bags of giant bags of Lay's potato chips probably are going to have hardening of the arteries and other things. But the fact of the matter is, she didn't. She didn't want to get hurt. If you if you exercise, I mean, I've I've had two knee surgeries. I've had multiple injuries playing sports my yeah. whole life. I'm going to be sixty five this year. I'm still active all the time. If you don't do it, you're not going to have that opportunity. So, how did you overcome that up here in your head? Well, I'm a very spiritual person, so I did a lot of praying and a lot of um, 
time talking to God and dealing with it um, that way because I feel like that's a connection that I have that's able to lift me over any adversity in life. And so there there was a lot of praying involved, a lot of talking to um, my mom was a big part of that. She talked me through a lot of it. Um, And just personally, I have... I'm very unique in that I have a ridiculous drive to succeed, and I think it can be bad in some cases. A lot of people may call me a workaholic because I love my job so much and because I want to be so good at it, and I think that transfers to every aspect of my life, including sports. Well, I can relate to that because as a sports psychologist starting in 1981, basically nobody had done this before, Mm -hmm. and when I moved back to Kansas City from graduate school in California – uh, I interviewed just, I was just trying to find a job to work. I interviewed at, at four of the smaller colleges in the Kansas City area, and the athletic director at one of them said, quote, I don't believe in hocus pocus and witchcraft, which I was like, really? going to laugh and shake my head. Well, and I interviewed on my way back. I, uh, I stopped in Colorado Springs at the Olympic Training Center and interviewed with the assistant head of sports medicine to work as a sports psychologist the Olympic team, and he told me, we don't believe in having you types of people around here working with our athletes. We don't need this. After explaining to him that the Russians and Eastern Europeans were doing this for years in addition to the steroids. But the fact of the matter is, the negativity, so, you know, there's always that negative voice out there. So when you, and, and, and I'm sure you've heard that before in terms of what you're doing. Oh, so when sure. you hear that, how do you psychologically overcome that? What do you say to yourself? How do you pre- – it's not that you're I'm, – I'm sensing you're not out there trying to prove somebody wrong because that doesn't strike me as that's who you are. But you want to you prove that you can do it. Yes and no. I think everybody needs to have that chip on their shoulder and needs to hear it at least once in their life that they can't do it because I think it adds to what you want to accomplish. And I think the more you hear it – the more you don't believe it. And I know that when I first got started, not only in football, but also in in broadcast journalism, in being a sports reporter slash anchor, there were so many people that are like, well, you can't do this. Well, you're only in it because of your looks. Well, you may know a little bit about football, but can you handle a locker room? Can you handle being around a team all the time? And you just hear those those little things from people, whether they mean it or not. A lot of people will say stuff without actually thinking about it. It just comes out. And I think the more you hear it, the more that builds up your armor. Because then once you reach a point, like right now, if I hear something like that, I just kind of laugh it off. Because I'm like, do you know what I'm doing right now? Like I'm doing everything that you guys said I couldn't do. Can you share a story with us about where maybe you've had something like that happen and how you overcame it? My second job um, in Wichita, I won't name any names, but um, I actually worked with a couple different people who were very negative and um, because they weren't going very far uh, in the industry they felt like they needed to take it out on me. And so I got my start out. So, there was, so they were jealous? Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, yeah, they probably were. But, I mean, usually, they didn't admit me, it to me. So. Well, but they're not going to admit it. But usually when somebody picks on somebody else, it's a sign of their own insecurity and they're jealous of that person. And those are the people that you, you keep the, that chip on your shoulder because you realize that what they say doesn't necessarily matter because you're going to be able to push through it. But um, I think one of the biggest things was, uh, I have two examples. The first example was 
well, I know you're going to go far because of your looks. And that and was you said, like, thank oh. you very much. I appreciate that. I said, thanks. I'm going to continue working on my sportscast. Appreciate that. Um, and then the other one was uh, everyone's just going to see you as the bureau reporter. And that's where you are and that's where you're going to stay. And so that was something that I was like, wait, really? Like, just because just because I started somewhere doesn't mean that's what defines you. So and you so, have, so you took those as challenges to make yourself better. Absolutely. Not necessarily to prove them wrong, although part of you wanted to prove them wrong, but really really to prove that, you, hey, I, this is going to make me stronger and better. Absolutely. And, and obviously it has. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest today is Danny Wilniak. She's the sports director for the CBS affiliate in Kansas City, KCTV5. Having a fascinating interview with you about just, just – how she's gotten to where she is, and she's got more energy than just about anybody I interview at 7 o'clock in the morning, I'll tell you that, here in Kansas City. I'm encouraging you, if you have a daughter, have her listen to the podcast of this show, because I think they will pick up a tremendous amount of things that they can learn with themselves to help them become better. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years, and with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, Go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. 
UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports on this show, and frequently I have guests that come in and talk with me about who they are, what they've accomplished, and how they've gotten there. And today, I've got a wonderful young lady in here. Her name's Danny Wilniak. She's the sports director for the CBS affiliate in Kansas City, KCTV5. She's also the sideline reporter for the Kansas City Chiefs. Does a tremendous job, and I've, I've been wanting to talk to her for a while, and it's great to have her in here before football season gets started, which is actually just about to start this week. It's crazy. It's mass chaos and hysteria, but we love it. Yeah, and, the, and here in Kansas City, the Chiefs training camp is just an hour north of here, so... You can come and go from there and, and not have to. Ha- do you stay up there or do you? What no. do you? Okay. We are not. We are not gifted with that. With that glory. No, we go. We drive up every morning and drive back every night because we not only have to do not only have to shoot practice at eight a.m. in the morning, but then I get to come back and anchor at ten o'clock at night. So it's a long day during training camp. So you have a yeah, not just for the football players, but no. for everybody involved. And you know, for people who don't realize an NFL team, it's not just a bunch of players and coaches. There's probably a total of what about 150 people involved with the whole organization that are there all the time with the staff and the personnel. It's a very involved uh, activity. I mean, from the equipment people to the trainers to everybody. So it's a very, very busy uh, activity. I work with a number of player NFL players privately in different teams, and it, every team's different too. The way they handle things, it's very, very interesting. Now, Danny, you've you've become very popular here in town. You've you've made a name for yourself. You've established yourself. In our last segment here, let's talk about for young people, boys or girls, who are interested in getting into the sports world, maybe into broadcasting and journalism. Tell them a little bit about how you got into it and what would you suggest to them? What is the route that they should take? Well, and what are the what are some of the pitfalls that you've seen? For sure. Well, first of all, my advice to anyone who wants to go into just sports in general is to keep an open mind and be willing to go anywhere to get your start because there are so many different opportunities and ways that you can get involved in the sports world. It's not necessarily just journalism, but you can also get involved in PR. You can do um, thing, different things with, with different teams. And so don't don't close your mind off to any potential opportunities because one opportunity will open a door to another. But I actually got my start um, in Dodge City, Kansas, because I got a degree in sports media. Oklahoma State was trying out a sports media degree, which was a double major in audio and video production and broadcast journalism. Okay, Oklahoma State's in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Dodge City's in Kansas. How far apart is that? Um, it was about five-ish hours. And how did you find that? How did you, how did you discover that? 
So because I'm guessing you probably like, wanted to go back to Dallas or to Phoenix or some big city rather well, than and that's everybody's dream. I think is that as soon as you get out of college, you're like, I can go straight to ESPN. I am so good. And that's one of those pitfalls is that you go out to your first job or your first opportunity and you realize that you're not as good as you thought you were. So there are so many times that whenever I have someone job shadow me or I have an intern come in with me, I'll go back and show them my first uh, sports casts out in Dodge compared to what I do now. And I will just close my eyes and laugh because I cannot believe how terrible I was uh, when I first got started. So why do you say that? Because um, multiple things. Are we, we're going to get detailed about this? No, I'm just kidding. It's, this isn't psychoanalysis. <laughs> just small things down to technique and um, little things in the broadcast industry that most normal people may not notice. Um, but now looking back, comparing yourself, you're like, okay, there's a significant difference there. There's a lot of growth and um, a little bit more confidence that has been built throughout the seven or eight years that I've been in this industry. But um, yeah, so I ended up out in Dodge City, Kansas, because I sent my resume out to 30 different job markets, TV markets across the country, right? Yep, out of college. And two places called me back one was in Alabama, and it was for a sports director role, and they said I wasn't qualified enough. And the second one was from the Wichita station, KWCH, and um, it was their news director. And they said, hey, we've got this bureau opening in Dodge City, Kansas. You went to Oklahoma State, so we believe that you can survive in a rural community very well. So That's an interesting thing to say. Okay. So um, originally, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's strange thanks for you know looking at my demo reel that's awesome clearly that's not what you're hiring people off of but um no it ended up being a huge blessing because it opened the door to obviously a wichita opportunity and then the kansas city opportunity and um i was out in dodge for two years and i also met my husband out there so i will take the victories where i can get them okay and then you went from dodge city to wichita Wichita. yep they promoted me into wichita two years later and then i was in wichita for three years and then got the opportunity here in kansas city okay so if you have a young person listening right now who's interested in getting into this profession Mm -hmm. what do you suggest to them i think that you need to go anywhere to get your start. I think that's probably my big thing for anyone who wants to get into this industry. Be willing to take a job that's in like a 130 market or even lower um, and just know that there are going to be growing pains. And I think that you can you can get a degree in it. And I think that's probably the way to go with how competitive this industry has become. Um, and you're not you're not going to get paid much right out of college. I think I made twenty three thousand dollars right out of college, and that's, I mean, that's pennies compared to most people what they get out of college. So um, just be willing to not get paid much. Be willing to work long hours, and um, I do recommend getting a degree in it because it is such a competitive field. Okay, I want you to define two words for me. Okay, um, and it, but before I ask you those. My show uh, a week ago talked about failure and coaching failure. And in, in the book that I co-wrote with Jeff Montgomery, the Royals Hall of Fame pitcher, and Pete Malone, who's in the USA Swimming Hall of Fame, our third chapter is called Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun. I feel very strongly as a sports psychologist, we don't teach failure. We scare kids with it. We get angry at kids when they fail. We degrade them. We insult them. We cut them down. But we're all going to fail. We all fail at something. 
along the way to get to where we want to be. Right. I've had my share of failures in, in my profession, and I've learned from them. So what have you learned from failure, and how has that made you better, and how would you define it, and how would you define success? Hmm. Um, I think failure is a failure is a setup for success because without failure, you can't grow. And I'm a firm believer that if you are stagnant and you just relish in your failure and you dwell on it from a mental aspect, it can seriously weigh you down and it can take you into dark places that you don't want to go. But if you use it as a stepping stone and you not don't forget it, but um, put it in the back of your mind and move on from it and use it to make yourself better, I think that's how you reach success is through your failures. What's been the, the most prominent failure you've had in your professional career that you've learned from or situation you failed in? Oh, it's crazy because there's so many. Like you have so many on a spectrum of failures that, I mean, from something as small as messing up a super graphic to spelling someone's name wrong to um, to interacting with a player or a coach in a way that you wish you hadn't or burning a bridge with someone. I think those are all different levels, but they're all failures that make you better in the long run. So like if I worked with a coach in Wichita and I burned that bridge because of something I said or something I did or how I covered something, I'm now able to cover a coach here in Kansas City so much better and be so much more professional because of it. And when it comes to the smaller things like misspelling a super graphic or stats, I make sure that I double check everything. Define success real quick. Confidence in yourself. Okay. Well, this has been a wonderful interview with you today. I really appreciate you coming in this morning. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest has been Danny Welniak. She is the sports director at Kansas City CBS affiliate KCTV5. How can people reach you, Dan? I know they can watch on TV, but if people want to get a hold of you, send an email. How do they get a hold of you? For sure. Well, you can find me on Twitter at KCTV Danny. You can also find me on Facebook, Danny Welniak. D-A-N-I. D-A-N-I. Welniak is W-E-L-N-I-A-K. It's Polish, so don't hold that against me. Um, and you can also email me at Danny.Welniak at KCTV5.com. I'd love to have you in again. This has been tremendous. I really have enjoyed talking to you. Your enthusiasm is is off the charts. Hopefully, I didn't overwhelm you with it. There's a that's a bit much for you know seven a.m. in the morning. No, I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. You can reach me several ways. Follow me on Twitter at drj sports psych. My email is drj at winnersunlimited.com. Send me a, a call or give me, give me a call at my office at eight one six five six one five 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 six. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. 
You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. <laughs> 